The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. Hey. Whoa. Hey. This is the HBCU Football Daily Podcast for today, Monday, April 12th. I'm Donald Ware. I hope you had an absolutely wonderful wonderful weekend week eight definitely interesting in hbcu football and as we do on this manic monday and we do each and every monday we're going to run down the hbcu football scoreboard but before we do that former nfl great eddie george expected to be named the head football coach at tennessee state first reported by the tennessean in nashville mike organ does an absolutely phenomenal job as the beat writer for Tennessee State. So if that's the report, then I'm in, uh, I'm going to believe, in fact, that report. And, you know, it ends an era of Rod Reed as the head football coach at Tennessee State. And he had some success, uh, maybe not as much success as, as people would have wanted. I think when you talk about some of what he was able to do off the field with the um, with the three, I, I believe it, Tennessee State had like a 34 football players that had like a 3.0 or better um, back when the semester ended in December. Some of those things. He's a Tennessee State alum, a former All-American uh, there. I think when you look at some of those things, he did some really, really good things. Those recruiting classes were really, really good. Even before he became the head football coach there in 2009 under James Webster, uh, he was the recruiting coordinator. So, uh, you know, I think a similar situation to a James Webster in the respect that, yes, there was some success, but maybe not as much as Tennessee State would have liked, particularly for the amount of time uh, that he was there. There were no OVC championships. Very tough uh, in the OVC. I mean, it's a very tough conference. There was an FCS playoff appearance going back to 2013 and a win. Tennessee State got a victory in the FCS playoffs over Butler. I thought going back to 2014, uh, the, the following season should have been a breakout season for Tennessee State. Had a number of box to row All Americans coming back, a number of really good players coming back, quarterback, uh, defensive back to defense was supposed to have been really, really tough. And it was a team that finished six and five. Very, very much underachieved. I think that was the year we started to actually see the uh, surgence, if you will, of a Jacksonville State, if I'm not mistaken. That OVC, I'm telling you, man, it's tough. It is really, really tough. Will Eddie George be able to come in and have some success uh, in the OVC at Tennessee State? We'll ultimately see. I think if you look at it from this perspective with uh, Eddie George coming in, uh, he's a Tennessee Titan, (laughs) number one, right? Um, fringe pro football Hall of Famer, 
really, really good running back when he played his years in the National Football League. So he's ingrained in that community, uh, I think even more so than the higher by uh, Deion Sanders at Jackson State. This is, I mean, you're talking about a guy, to, you know, obviously a much bigger market in, in, in Nashville. Uh, you're talking about a guy who has very great ties to the city of Nashville. So you got that Nissan Stadium there, uh, right? Tennessee State hasn't, you know, hasn't really been able to get the fan base involved. Maybe that's because they weren't winning uh, as much, especially from the alumni. It's not so much about, I mean, well, it is about the community, but you definitely want your alums to come and support. I mean, I've been at the John Merritt Classic uh, a, a couple of times for a couple of years, as a matter of fact, there at Tennessee State. There's a lot of support at Tennessee State, but it seemed to me that there was more support uh, going back back in the day, if you will, even, even going back to the early parts of the 2000s. I can remember being in athletic administration at A&T and Tennessee State and A&T played in a football classic in Cincinnati. I don't know if it was called the Ohio Classic or something along those lines. But it was, I mean, Tennessee State support was absolutely tremendous. So you know the support is there. I think when you bring an Eddie George in, you you not only corral the Tennessee State alums who are going to be much more excited now, uh, you know, it's a fresh. Even though he hasn't done anything yet, it's it's a new day. It's 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 a new day, if you will. It's flat, uh, fresh blood uh, coming there to Tennessee State ultimately. So when you look at it from that perspective, uh, I think Tennessee State alums will come out even more to help fill that Nissan Stadium, which again Tennessee State shares that stadium with the Tennessee Titans. It's a shared stadium. All right, it's not like Tennessee State plays in the stadium of the Tennessee Titans. No, it's a shared stadium, which I think is ultra important. I think, you know, Rod Reed did some really good things. I mean, I think to be able to really get Hale Stadium, the on-campus facility, which is really, really, it's a really, really solid stadium. It's got a lot of history there. Some of the great players that ever played college football and more specifically HBCU football played in that stadium Ed too tall Jones and all of those I mean you know just great players John Merritt coached there I mean it's just great players uh that played there um I, I like that so you have an opportunity to fill out Hale Stadium to sell out Hale Stadium which holds 10,000 and then to really fill up the Nissan Stadium not only with alums but I think now because of who Eddie George is, particularly in that community in Nashville, you'll get some some support from the community at large with respect to supporting Tennessee State football. I think you have to merge. I, I, I don't know if people in the community, they may, but not everybody knows what Tennessee State football is and what it was. Like Tennessee, when you talk about Tennessee State football and you think about John Merritt and all the great players that played at Tennessee State, it's one of the great HBCU and college football programs of all time. So you merge and bring back what was great and you have a new page with a high-profile coach I think that's going to make for something uh, really, really special 
Uh, from a marketing standpoint, from a support standpoint, obviously we have to see ultimately how it goes on the field. That's going to be the determining factor, not in year one, probably not in year two, but in year three. Where is that football program on the field in a in an extremely tough OVC? So we'll ultimately see how that breaks down. On Takeaway Tuesday, what I want to talk about on tomorrow on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast and Takeaway Tuesday is what we're seeing with the hire of Deion Sanders, now Eddie George. Are we seeing this more possibly as a trend in HBCU football where you have the hiring of uh, of coaches who were great you know, football players in the National Football League but don't have any college coaching experience are we seeing that as a trend in HBCU football but I think even more significantly and important what does that mean for HBCU coaches you know coaches that went to HBCUs that are looking to get that opportunity to coach in college football now what does it mean for them because if you look at it and and I I don't want to give too much away and I'm going to talk a little bit more about it again tomorrow we're not getting, meaning HBCU alums, necessarily the opportunity to coach at the FBS level, certainly not as head coaches. I don't know how many coordinators there have been. I mean, I look at a Jerry Mack now. He's an alum of Jackson State, all right? And he's the running backs coach now at Tennessee. Are there any other HBCU alums that are, have a, you know, a higher position, if you will, at FBS, major FBS programs. I'm, I'm not saying there aren't. I just don't know of any. But what does that mean for HBCU football uh, uh, alums that want to have the opportunity to coach at whether it's their alma mater, whether it's at other HBCUs, because that gives you, puts you on a path to maybe doing something else and being at the FBS level. And if those jobs are going away, then where do we as HBCU alums ultimately go so we'll talk more about that on takeaway tuesday on tomorrow so let's take a look at the scoreboard for week eight in hbcu football west virginia state fell to charleston 39 to 10 langston falling to ottawa 28 to 24 in the ball game alabama state rebounded with the victory over mississippi valley state 42 to 17 it was Alabama A&M over Jackson State, 52-43 to in a high-scoring affair. Going to break down that game uh, much more tomorrow on Takeaway Tuesday. Fort Valley State defeated Erskine, 45-21. to And Delaware State falling to Delaware, 34-14. to And in the last game for... Uh, for Tennessee State's head coach, Rod Reed, Southeast Missouri State uh, over Tennessee State, 46-23. to Tough loss for Tennessee State. I really felt like, boy, the Tigers need to win some games. I looked at the t- you know, followed the team all year, and you know, I don't know. I'm like, I, would, the, would it have been different if perhaps Tennessee State in a seven-game um, seven game, seven games in the spring had gone four and three, maybe five and two. Would it have been different? You know, I I don't know. I feel like during COVID, during this COVID, if if it's just 
an awful situation. And Tennessee State is not an awful situation. The program, the, the, pro, the program is not in an awful place, right? I just feel like during this pandemic, with all that the coaches have had to navigate, to me, I just don't feel like, unless it's just a bad situation, a lot of bad things are going on in the program, I don't know if this is the time to get rid of coaches per se. You come back in the fall when things are a little bit more normal, right? And, uh, and then you kind of look at it, and if it doesn't work out, then you move on. I don't know. Maybe Tennessee State saw its opportunity. Maybe it knew it could get Eddie George right now. May not have gotten Eddie George after the fall if things hadn't gone the way that they needed to go. And even if they, if Tennessee State had already made this decision, maybe let's say in an 11-game schedule, uh, Tennessee State goes, you know, 7-4, and four, doesn't make the playoffs. I mean, I you know, then – even it's 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 a better situation. We're not out of COVID, but we're getting out of COVID. That's a little bit different. Uh, but again, if you look at the record, it's it hadn't been a winning record for Tennessee State under Rod Reed. So you could look at it either way. And again, I'll break it down a little bit more on tomorrow's HBCU football daily podcast. Don't forget to tell a couple of friends about the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, where you can find us on our website at BoxToRow.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts as well as iHeartMedia.com. Talk with you tomorrow. Find the Box to Row YouTube page for conversations with stars like Amari Hardware, Brandy, Michael Strahan, and with some of our favorite sports guests over the years. Over the years.